It's the Ambiguously Blind Podcast with your host, a guy that's great up hearing, but terrible at listening, John Grimes. Hey, 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 greetings. Welcome back. Thanks for tuning in and subscribing to our little podcast experience. We're going to hear from Juan Alcazar. He is a filmmaker. Most of his work can be found on YouTube, which is where I bumped into Juan. I want to talk to him about his visual impairment, how that impacts what he does as a filmmaker, the technology that he uses to make his world go round, and some other technology-related questions. Juan, thanks for joining the Ambiguously Blind podcast. Hey, thanks, John, for having me on here. It's uh, Juan Alcazar and JC5 Productions. You're a YouTube guy, right? Uh, yeah, I'm a YouTube guy. I've, I've actually been on YouTube since uh, 2011, to be honest, but uh, it's only been just a few years ago that I uh, decided to start talking about my visual impairment, and uh, that's where my channel has been since. Yeah, and that's how I bumped into you. Let's talk about your visual impairment. What is your vision, your cutie, and your condition? Well, I have retinitis pigmentosa, RP, and I also happen to have cataracts as well as, you know, the usual stuff that comes with it, like night blindness and bad peripheral vision. So, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, I literally was born with bad vision since the beginning, but uh, even though it's been corrected with glasses in the past and even contact lenses, it can't really be corrected at this point anymore because it's gone down to a point where it's like, yeah, uh, you can't be wearing any any more contacts or uh, or glasses anymore to correct it better than twenty two hundred. <laughs> so that uh, that ship has sailed. Yeah. So it's it's gradually degre- got it's gradually gotten worse over time. Uh, yeah. And at this point, it's my right eye that's actually getting worse. So. I'm actually not able to read anything with my right eye anymore. It's like details and other things like that get lost with if I just close my left eye, try to see if my right eye it doesn't work anymore. So my left eye is my good eye and my right eye is kind of just like a joke coming along for the right at this point. Yeah. Well, you need a buddy. Your left eye is going to need a buddy. So there's <laughs> the buddy system for that, I guess. <laughs> I mean, you- that's a good way of putting it. <laughs> Do you know what your clinical definition is as far as vision? So I was told it was a 2200, but that could have changed by now because like I said, I mean, if that's with my left eye, yes. If that's with my right eye, I don't think so. No. Okay. Yeah. And I categorized you as a YouTube guy a little bit ago, and that probably wasn't, wasn't very good. That's, uh, I mean, you do things on YouTube, but you're also a, you're a filmmaker, so a little more general speaking and probably sounds a little better to be called a filmmaker than a YouTube guy. But <laughs> when when you're a filmmaker and you're blind or have visual impairment or legally blind or however you want to categorize yourself, what is the most common misconception you get from people that when they when you say that to them, they're like, what do you mean? Well, first of all, I sometimes get that whole reaction of like, wait, how can you make movies or videos if you say that you're blind or even legally blind? How do, how do you go about that? So that's usually the first question that comes to mind. And then that's when I start talking about assistive technology and just uh, some of the tools that are available to uh, to folks who have visual impairments because, hey, some people don't know that there's accessibility features built into some products that allow some of us to make videos and to make movies. What about uh, for mobility, Juan? Do you use a cane or some other uh, assistive technology or some other gear like that to get around? Uh, I'm a cane user. Uh, Mainly I use my cane. Uh, I do use my cell phone. I do use, um, I have an iPhone. I do use my Apple Watch as well if if I'm able to get uh, directions and things like that. Uh, But yeah, I'm definitely a cane user. And I don't know if this is a bit of a digression, but... uh, it did take me a little while to finally admit that I need to use a cane, but now that I'm using it, I can't really travel without it. Yeah, I think that's kind of a common thing, at least for people in the the visual impaired field, which which is where I am. Uh, I'm legally blind. My vision's about twenty three hundred or so. I I guess it kind of depends, but in lighting and different environments. But I have all my vision in one eye, also in my left eye. So in the middle between 
good vision and no vision, that's a pretty broad spectrum. And there's, you know, really not many people, if, if any people that see identically the same in that area. So I, I've struggled with the cane myself. I don't use a cane. I have a cane, but I, I don't use it. And I, I'm, I'm pretty, I don't drive or anything. So that's a definite sign that I have an impairment with my vision. But as far as getting around and things, I, I get around pretty well. One of the things I've covered on my podcast here is I ride a bike also, mm. um, which is kind of actually is very confusing when I tell somebody that I'm blind and then here I am rolling down the, the street on a bike. So that's <laughs> it's kind of hard to describe. But, you know, it's kind of like one of the things I've heard you talk about, which is uh, am I blind enough? You know, I'm not not blind enough. And right, there's, right. there's a lot of struggles with. Uh, things and perceptions and and even just self-doubt or things that, that come along with that whole spectrum of vision and, and abilities and, and things and the cane for me is probably more to ident- let somebody else know that I have a visual impairment like when I'm crossing a street or I've used the example of standing in line at a Starbucks and there's you know six cups on the counter one of them is mine maybe but I don't know that. And for me to ask uh, somebody standing with me or the Starbucks person, which one is mine? Usually it's, it happens fine, but if I'm holding a cane, it, it's more, it's, it's a much more easy conversation to explain to somebody why I need them, you know, to tell me what's on the cup. Yeah. It, it's funny when, when you, when someone sees you using a cane, all of a sudden it's like, if like for me, if I wasn't using a cane and you know, I was like, I mean, in this case, like waiting in line for something, uh, nobody would bat an eye. But all of a sudden, if they see me using the cane, all of a sudden, like they might be like, "Oh, you can come to the front of the line" or something like that. It's it's, it's pretty funny, actually. I have a little side story to to mention. But before that, uh, the bike thing that you mentioned, I think that'd be funny if you want to confuse someone even more. <laughs> Imagine the whipping out your cane while riding the bike and feeling feeling the pavement yeah. you know, forwards. It's like. <laughs> It's like then you're you're really gonna confuse people. Yeah, I it's it is <laughs> that would that would be extremely confusing. And just a few just a couple of days ago, actually, I was I was riding and I'm by myself and I'm crossing a pretty major street near my house. And where we live, there are lots of audible crosswalks, which is tremendous. That's a really great thing, especially for for us to get across the street. And mm-hmm. I was waiting at the light for the signal to change. And uh, there was a person came up behind me on a bike. I didn't see them right away. Didn't know that they were there. And the light had turned for us to go, that we would be able to go, but it hadn't started beeping yet. And so, and I think the guy behind me probably would have just gone. And so I'm waiting for this, the beeping to say go. And right. he goes, he goes, hey, buddy, you can go. And I kind of turn around and look and I'm like, oh, okay, yeah. So I don't, you know, and then within about, three seconds it beeped and I went. So, you know, it's just, if, if I had a cane, then he probably would understand that uh, I can't really tell, even though there may not be any cars at the intersection, I'm waiting for the, you know, that, or I'm just a, you know, a rule follower and I'm waiting for the actual signal to come on kind of thing, which <laughs> that's not the case either. Or he might've been very confused and be like, wait, why is there a blind guy driving me riding a bike? Exactly. <laughs> so I think that would probably be the better, uh, what would happen. Yeah. <laughs> get as either far away from or, this guy as I can. Either that, or he thinks the cane is like something like you know, was this guy inventing a new sport? Is that like something for like you it's know, like, is it, it's like, like polo like... for uh, bikes or something, right? <laughs> Basically, yeah, that's what it would look like if someone doesn't even know about that. Right uh, about the lines thing that I was mentioning, uh, actually, so a, a little story from a couple of years ago. Uh, I went with uh, my brother and I, so we're we're both sports fans. And uh, a couple of years ago, since uh, we're both uh, really big into ice hockey, uh, the All Star Game, the NHL All Star Game, happened to be in in our area, and we wanted to go to like the you know the whole fan festivities area and all that. And when they saw us coming in and getting in line all of a sudden they let me and my brother cut to the front of the line because they saw i had a cane they're like oh yeah you guys can go to the front and i was like oh wow it's like that that was like the first time i really (laughs) experienced the you know that little benefit so i was like wow blind perks right there yeah some sometimes (laughs) in life disadvantages can can cause advantages 
And you got to be careful with that, but it's good to take advantage of those sometimes. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, no, definitely. I'm very careful with that. Although I will say pre-boarding is also a nice thing. That is a great uh, one. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but then, but then you're probably wondering, wow, you must be getting a lot of like you as a mate, you must be getting a lot of bitter looks from people being like, Hey, how come he gets to yeah. go in there? But then again, I, mean, I really shouldn't worry. Cause Hey, I can't see their faces. Right. So why even bother? <laughs> I yeah. bother thinking, but you know, also, especially when it comes to pre-boarding, which is something I don't, I haven't done that in a while. You know, I, I, do we, are there still flying planes these days, you know, with the COVID thing? Is that still happening? Um, I mean, I guess they so. are. I just, I just don't know if they're completely packed at the moment. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, it, it really is, you know, I've, I've shown up to a plane late also. And mm. when, you know, your row 18 seat D getting it, it I, I can't see so i need help and that's it's uh, way more awkward trying to do it after the fact than it is uh, pre-boarding pre-boarding is is the way to go you know i think everybody oh, yeah. would want to pre-board anyway but um from a getting around perspective it is not even close uh, pre-boarding right, is the right. way it should be for somebody right. you know and, and that would be true for anybody that has you know like a wheelchair things like that too it's just there's a reason why it happens Right, right. Although I do have my objections when they do offer a wheelchair sometimes because it's like, okay, if it's an airport I've never been to and if I'm in a hurry, yes, I will gladly take the wheelchair. But if not, if I'm, if I'm there on time, it's like, I'll just yeah. follow you. Yeah, I'm, I'm able. I can do it. Yeah, I understand <laughs> that. What about glasses? Uh, you mentioned corrective lenses before. Not so much for correction, but do you wear sunglasses for, for glare or... Uh, you know bright or low lights or just maybe even for protection uh well actually i do still wear prescription lenses it's more like just because hey they help me see somewhat better not by much but you know they still do so i do wear them on occasion the thing is i've been wearing them less and less frequently because i mean only if I have to use them, I usually wear them. Most of the time, I'm not really wearing them anymore. As far as sunglasses go, though, yes, I do wear sunglasses because, like I mentioned earlier, I have photophobia. So anytime I step out, I have to put on a, a pair of shades. Even if it's overcast, sometimes if it's bright enough, I do have to wear the sunglasses too. So yeah, uh, I kind of have to, I kind of have to do that. But also for protection too, and just for Safety pur safety purposes. I also put on um, some sort of headgear, not just because. Well, if I happen to crash into something, you know the the, the hat's gonna hit it first. But I also have a condition called uh, vitiligo. Uh, have you heard of that condition before? No, I've not heard of photophobia either. So please explain. Okay, photophobia. Basically, that's just light sensitivity. So you know, I just have uh, if I step out. Uh, even if I look at a computer monitor and the display is like the website is white, it starts hurting my eyes. I, I'm not able to read anything. I gotcha. Yeah. So I have to invert colors. But yeah, even if I invert colors, though, if I'm staring at a screen long enough, even with inverted colors, the white text starts bugging my eyes. So that's why I can't be staring at computer screens for too long because of that. And it's it's kind of... It's kind of irritating because I used to be the type of person who liked reading a lot. And now at this point, it's just, uh, I'll let the screen reader take care of that instead. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, vitiligo, that is not visually impaired related. That's not blindness related. At least I don't think so. But what that is, it's a condition where uh, the pigment, some of the pigment in your skin slowly, there are patches of pigment in your skin uh, turn white basically because the pigment in those areas start basically dying off and the problem is that makes you even more sensitive to you know to any any daylight so I basically have to cover up uh, whenever I step out so yeah it's a little summers can be kind of a pain for me because it's like yeah it might be warm outside it might be sunny outside but I still have to cover up so it's a dual purpose too because the hat does or the headgear does give you some protection um, from, like you said, from walking into things or um, I'm always concerned about like tree branches and things that I may not see, which is why I do wear sunglasses. My vision is not correctable uh, with glasses or anything. So I do wear sunglasses all the time and even on cloudy days uh, because really 
uh, it's not so bad when I'm in the light or in the dark, but it's the transition from one to the other. So if I'm outside and I walk in somewhere where the light would be either higher or lower than where I'm coming from, my, the transition period for me, it's, it takes some time for my, for my eye to adjust. So the glasses make that transition much uh, smoother as well as uh, from protection. So. Right, right. No, I totally understand. It's, it's the same with me. And uh, the thing is, though, with, with the hat, it's like, it's true, though. I mean, tree branches. Uh, yeah, I don't want, <laughs> I don't like to, you know, to have my face hit that or anything like that. So yeah, that's why I have the, I wear the hats and the, and the sunglasses. So it's like, hey, if anything's going to hit the, the tree branch, it's going to be either A, the hat or the glasses, or more favorably, both instead of uh, my face. Yeah, right. All right, let's talk about technology. You've done a lot of uh, technology talk on your uh, YouTube channel, and I've, you're an Apple guy from everything I know. Yeah, yeah, I have uh, <laughs> you've, you've purchased Apple products. Yeah, you're, you're in the orchard, or you've purchased a few trees, or I, I don't know how you categorize um, that. I'm definitely in the orchard. I've been in the orchard for a while, actually. Well, I mean, it's only been until recently that i invested in in like the watch and stuff like that and I, I even have the home pod the original one so yeah but but i've had a mac since ever since i first took film classes actually so it's been a while since i since i had my first mac okay and did you get the mac because of film class i mean is is film is is apple integral into the filmmaking process is that how it goes with apple at first, well, I mean, more back in the day, Apple was more integrated with more, uh, you know, for more creative folks. And it still is. Um, but the thing is, when I was in film school, when I first took film classes, it was even more integrated into that. So like my first editing class, we used iMovie and I was like, OK, this is really, really cool. I got to. So yeah. it didn't take me too long to get an iMac after that. And. You know, after that, I started getting, uh, you know, iBooks and then, you know, MacBooks. And yeah, I've been using Final Cut Pro. I've used, been using that for a while now. So yeah, I, I mean, it's almost my filmmaking journey is almost like synonymous or, you know, it almost spans the exact same time that I've been using Apple products. Yeah, that makes sense. I. I just feel like Apple's really big in that. And I don't know about these, like, I mean, do you think that these mega movies that are produced, do you think those are, are produced through, through Apple products, through, through Macs or something? Or is there, is there a windows equivalent that people work like, I don't know. There's, I know final cut is, is pretty good. And that's something I want to ask you about too later, but there's, um, there's a piece, there's a windows version of something called, uh, what's it called? I mean, they have Premiere as well. Yeah, that's, that's Adobe. From Adobe. Right. But there's uh, also there's, another one called... Um, there's another one called the DaVinci Resolve. Yeah, that's, that's it. That's another yeah. one. Yeah. Yeah, that one... The, the thing... Okay, so that's a pretty powerful uh, editor too. And yeah, the, the thing is with a lot of, uh, a lot of these uh, pieces of software, they're not very accessible with uh, screen readers though. And that's where there's a bit of a barrier because, I mean... I kind of understand that uh, most people wouldn't wouldn't think that like someone who's blind or visually impaired would be editing video. But the thing is, you know, there's some of us who are blind or visually impaired who are wanting to get into video, and it'd be nice if some of these tools, not just Final Cut Pro or iMovie, were accessible. Because I mean, it'd be great if Premiere was accessible. You know, it'd be great if if DaVinci Resolve was you know had the accessibility of a Final Cut Pro or iMovie. Alrighty, what about the iPhone? When did you get involved with the iPhone? Ah, uh, my first iPhone, I was a little spoiled because my first iPhone was the 4 and that had the very nice and neat design and yeah, uh, I was a little spoiled because uh, if I got the 3GS first, I would have been like, okay, cool, but no, that, that, that iPhone 4, it was that design was just yeah. awesome. I like that uh, the four design too. I got in with the three GS, which, as far as I know, was the first one that had voiceover built in, um, out of the box. The I think the three G didn't, and then I mean it was a software update that came out after the three GS came 
came to the market that uh, is when I got on board. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. So I wasn't, uh, I wasn't that far behind you. Although the thing is, I didn't really start learning voiceover until I had the iPhone 7. So before that, I still had uh, enough vision to get by uh, with the other iPhones. Okay. So pr prior to that, though, I, I was just using Apple products because, hey, I thought, you know, that, that was just personal choice. I had a Mac and I had an iPhone and I just I just liked, you know, I just got the, I liked the ecosystem and I just liked the, you know, just the way things worked. But then once I realized that, hey, you might need a, all sorts of training like tech training, O&M training, things like that. When I was first taught uh, how to use voiceover, that really changed everything. And even a few months prior, I decided to look up how blind people use an iPhone. And I was like, wait a second, what? The, the, there, there's software on this thing that lets a blind person use it? Yeah, so it's I was, just built I was, in, yeah. Yeah, I was really surprised. And, and I was like, the instructor who taught me how to use it how to use voiceover was uh, totally blind so first uh he showed me the ins and outs of uh how to use voiceover on the iphone rather quickly but then he threw me a curveball he's like okay i'm gonna show you this little gesture tap on the phone with three fingers three times and i was like okay what does that do it's like okay now i want you to use the phone like this yeah it's got the screen and curtain le <laughs> let's see how how well you can use it yeah uh, but I started practicing like that and, you know, I, the more I used it like that, the more I got accustomed to it. And now I'm using my iPhone like 90% of the time <laughs> with a screen curtain. Yeah. And if somebody doesn't know what that means, a screen curtain, it basically just literally drops the curtain down on the screen. So it's, it's totally black. There's nothing, you can't see anything on it. And the same thing happened with, uh, with the iPad and I also have the Apple watch and, and I joke sometimes when people say like, Oh, one of the big features of the Apple watch is the always on display, always on. I'm like, well, mine's always off display because I have screen <laughs> curtain on. So. It's a neat feature. <laughs> it's like, I like the always off display for, for my Apple watch. Thank you. And even for the Mac, it's like, I'm, I use screen curtain most of the time for that. The only time I I'm not using voiceover on the Mac is, if I'm doing video editing, but even then I'm starting to use a uh, voiceover more when I'm editing on final cut. Okay. So what about any kind of non, non Mac stuff? You have any windows experience ever, or you just pretty much been a Mac guy? Uh, no, I've had experience with windows. I actually have a, have a Dell laptop actually. Uh, it has, uh, it has a uh, fusion, uh, the latest version of Fusion. And yeah, I mean, nothing wrong with ZoomText or JAWS. They're both great programs. ZoomText is, uh, you know, it's it's pretty awesome, actually. Lots of keyboard shortcuts. And it has a few things that I wish uh, Zoom magnification on the Mac had. <laughs> uh, JAWS is really good as well. Pretty superb, uh, you know, program right there. But I really like voiceover on the Mac more. I mean, that's just personal preference, but I just find it much easier to use voiceover on the Mac. And I think because I said that, I think I might have upset a lot of the iPhone users because a lot of folks who do, a lot of blind folks who do use the uh, iPhone tend to use Windows as well, <laughs> either JAWS or NVDA. So I'm probably in the minority here. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I use, so I'm transitioning right now from, from PC to uh, back to Mac. I was on a Mac a long time ago. That's how I learned computers many, many, many years ago. And then when I had my vision change, basically jumped straight to a PC because of ZoomText. And the uh, that stuff wasn't available. This one back in the 90s wasn't available on, on Macs and ZoomText was was available and, and really was pretty much the only game in town that I was aware of. So I've used it for quite some time. There's, it's a great program. It's I don't have a whole lot to say bad about it. Um, but when when it come, when you compare it to voiceover and the assistive stuff that's built into the Apple products and the ecosystem, they really work better because they're just so native. Well, they are native in the, in the devices and they're not as heavy as zoom text is, especially on the video cards and these PCs. But there are some things about zoom text that I wish were available, you know, for somebody in the, in the middle between 
in the visually impaired area, not blind, not totally blind, there are some really good things about the magnifier and zoom text that I really wish were available, um, av- available on the Mac. So I'm working through kind of the differences there. I feel like I'm probably going to make the switch totally over, but it's, um, I don't know. It's a, it's a process. Yeah. I mean, I mean, you know, I, I do like zoom magnification on the Mac as well. It, it, it does the job for me. And yes, I, d- I do wish it did have a, a couple things that the zoom text does have, but still, I think it's, I do like zoom magnification on the Mac though. I mean, it, it does the job for me, but like you said, I also do wish that it had a, a couple of more features. Hopefully they do add a couple more features though. Uh, just like how, uh, you know, to mimic zoom text a little bit, but still, uh, I do like zoom, uh, you know, not, not enough to say like, oh, well, it's uh you know zoom text is a lot better i, th- I think that i like zoom magnification on the mac though uh it's it's really good i mean it does meet my needs and one feature that i do like about it but can drive some people up the wall is the speak items under the pointer uh, uh selection yeah i have it on if yeah. i'm if i'm using magnification i do have it on but i can see how people can you know get tired of that so usually if i'm showing someone that feature it's like okay you see the the control key hit that yeah. trust me just have your hand, the, have the, your have your left hand on the control key or whatever <laughs> as you move around yeah the control key is your best friend yeah uh i can and, relate it, it it gives a lot of erroneous information and it, the the trouble that i'm having with it not to get too far off topic here but i don't understand why there isn't a i can't change the volume for the uh for the voice like with Zoom text, I can make the I have the voice set at like ten percent, because the feedback I do want the feedback, but I don't need it as loud as whatever else is happening on the PC. Like music, for instance, I don't need right. if I turn the music up, I don't need voiceover or Zoom text telling me what's playing at the same level. I I don't I just personally don't need that, and I don't think there's a way in on the on the uh, Mac OS that I can change just reduce the volume only of the the voice output. So right. I, I get that, it at the same level as, as everything else. Right. No, that's a good one. I mean, I mean, you can change the, the speaking rate, but yeah, you can't change the volume. That, no, that's a good one. That's a, that, that's a feature that's been built into zoom mm-hmm. text since the beginning, as far as I know, cause I've always had, I've mm-hmm. always, that that's, that's one of the first things anytime I reinstall zoom text, one of the first things I change because I, I want the output of the, the voice, but I just don't need it at that. I don't need it that loud. I can hear pretty well and I can decipher what it's saying, you know, in addition to what the computer is saying. Right, right. You, you, you would think uh, Zoom on the Mac would have that already, but yeah, that's that's pretty Doesn't. surprising, actually. Yeah. I called, yeah. I called Apple support about that, and they're like, no, no, we don't have that. Now, I think what you can do is you can, you can, t- if you have different speakers, I think you can tell it to to only maybe play on this speaker. Yeah, but that's just a, like an extra step, though. It's like. Hmm. It is. I don't know. It yeah. sounds like it's an unnecessary extra step, though. It is, yeah. So I don't mm-hmm. know. Call up your buddies over there at the um, accessibility desk at Apple and and, and <laughs> demand it because I've also demanded it already. And so the more, the more, the more support we get there, I think the better. Right. No, but that, that's a good one. That's a good one to add to to the list of like you know, cause, a million. Cause I have the list my, of a million. Yeah. I I have my own uh, requests as well here and there. So. <laughs> And in the same line of technology, other than your Apple products, your iPhone, those types of things, what do you think is the best piece of technology you have um, as it pertains to visual impairment? Uh, okay, so now that we we because because the, 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 the iPhone's the easy answer, uh, right? Because right, it is right. so universal for I mean, so many, so so many things. Um, okay, but so other than the iPhone. So we we got to scratch the Mac off the list then as well, then yeah, because that, that that'll be too easy. Yeah. Darn it. Okay, I'm gonna have to really think about it here. <laughs> um, well, I mean, I do have a handheld magnifier, and I don't use it very often. But when I do, it really does help me out, especially especially knowing that, uh, you know, in a pinch situation, if I have to just whip that out, then it's like, hey, you know, I, I need to read this really quick. I need to invert the colors really quick. I need to be able to read something. I might need to sign something, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. with just with, with a with a pen. Yeah. And yeah, that comes in handy. 
So it's uh, it's bailed me out enough times, and I always get the, a few interesting looks from people because they're like, "Oh, what is that?" And I'm like, "Oh, it's a magnifier. It helps me. Uh, it uh, helps me see things." And they're like, "Oh, I never seen that before." Yeah, it's that's like, well, cool. <laughs> you have now. <laughs> <laughs> okay, then let's go the other direction. What about the the best piece of low tech or just no tech you have? I mean, like an example of that would be a cane. But other than, yeah. other than a cane, what what's the best low tech gear you have? And you and you kind of and you kind of put me in the corner because I was going to say a cane too. Well, that's okay. That okay. That could be. That was just yeah. That could be it. Uh, well, I mean, I have a couple. So the cane could be one that that's been extremely handy. But uh, I think there's a bit of an unsung hero as far as low tech stuff goes. Bump dots. You can yeah. never have enough bump dots because they have bailed me out. Uh, quite a few times they've i've recently used the uh, bump dots on my keyboard because i was having trouble just trying to you know find you know find the keys not just find the keys but find my bearings on the keyboard but now i've uh, graduated so the training wheels are off i've taken those those things off of mm-hmm. uh, the keyboard now but uh yeah you can never have enough yeah. too many bump dots bump dots that's a I, I i ask that question to a lot of people and that's that's a common answer too and they are very handy for all kind. I mean, you probably got them all over, all over the place. You know, like microwaves and just things where you need to make sure you're hitting the right button. Yeah, like the thermostat. It's like sometimes it's really tough for me to to see, you know, to see like uh, what I'm turning it up to or what I'm turning it down to. So what I did was I took two bump dots and and I was like, okay, so these are the extreme temperatures that that we changed them to. So I just kind of put bump dots on the other side, and I'm like, okay, let me just. Uh, kind of move the you know the i don't know the gauge or whatever in between the two and so so i know that uh okay this is one extreme this is the other extreme if you go beyond one of them uh it's either too hot or too cold Mm -hmm. yeah we're getting trouble then we don't do that (laughs) all right and then there's your films and the youtube channel so you have a degree in film is that right uh, I do. I have a BA in cinema from uh, San Francisco State University. Okay, a degree in cinema. So what does that mean? In this case, it means that I studied both the film theory and filmmaking. Film theory, if you want to know what that is, it's just like the study of of uh, movies. You know, just like how how you have music theory, how you kind of like just uh, go into detail and dissect. Uh, music or a genre or a song in general you do the same thing with the movie it's like you just analyze like uh you know a scene itself or an entire movie or even a director and their entire works so it's really interesting though because without that uh base knowledge you you kind of uh you're a little lost when you're actually making movies so you kind of just apply what you learn in the in the theory classes and then you just apply that knowledge to uh to the filmmaking like not to go off on a tangent here but like let's say um a basic exa- example would be like if the camera is filming from a low angle the person on on the camera would look like you know would look rather large so that would subconsciously mean that okay this person has some sort of power or influence in the movie Mm -hmm. or in the scene and if it's if it's filming someone from you know from above that means it it could mean the opposite so you know with with those ideas in mind you kind of uh go into into making the movie with uh you know with those little you know tidbits it's almost like uh it's almost like being a magician and learning how the tricks are being done and now you're applying those tricks to see if they work. Mm-hmm. But since but since you're in film school, sometimes you apply them horribly, and you think like, "Oh, I'm a genius," and it's like, "No, no, it's pretty, <laughs> it's pretty amateurish how you're yeah. doing this." And you don't realize it until years later, and then you're looking back at your movie, and you're like, "Oh, wow, cringeworthy." <laughs> so, does that mean you have a favorite, maybe genre or group of films, or director or actor? Does that uh, I'm pretty open with with what I like as far as movies go. Basically, for me, if if it's if it's good, if it catches my attention, and in this case now, if it's audio described, uh, I will take a look. Uh, 
But speaking of that, uh, a lot of the movies from my favorite director are currently not audio described. There's only two movies from from uh, my favorite director that are audio described. Uh, if you want to know, it's uh, Stanley Kubrick. Okay. Yeah. So the the only what two are the movies, two? Uh, Spartacus was one of them, and uh, of course, 2001: A Space Odyssey was uh, the other one. And I really wanted to see 2001 Audi described because I was like, okay, I've seen this movie a million times, but I got to see it now how it is with AD. And I'm like, okay, this is, uh, I could definitely watch this. Uh, it, it did a good described. job with that. Oh yeah. 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 I mean, but then again, it's, it's a little bit like cheating because I've seen the movie so many times, but I've seen enough movies with the current vision that I have and a lot of times I don't feel like I'm missing out on much because you know it really depends on the audio description Mm -hmm. but most of the time I don't feel like I'm missing out so that's good Stanley Kubrick so you've mentioned two of his films I I think is uh, did he do full metal full metal jacket uh he did yeah okay that's the first one that comes to mind for me what are some of his other films uh The Shining um, Eyes Wide Shut. Uh, what else did he do? A Clockwork Orange. So Doctor Strange Love. So he, he's done those movies. Yeah, uh, Clockwork Orange. That's kind of a strange one. Uh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> and 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 I'm almost like, okay, wow. Uh, I'm almost I'm almost having to feel bad for whoever's gonna have to audio describe that yeah, one because it's, got it, some it's, interesting... it's out there. It's out there. <laughs> Yeah, let's. We won't get into that on this uh, on this discussion. <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, and another genre that I really liked, uh, especially when I was in film school, was I really got into like Asian horror movies, especially the Japanese and the Korean horror movies. Okay, I don't know anything reason. about those. Yeah. Okay. So, have you heard of like you know the movies like The Ring, The Grudge, you know movies like that? I've heard of The Ring. Okay. The originals, those are remakes of Japanese horror movies. So I, when I found out that they were remakes, I'm like, okay, I'm going to forget about the remakes. I'm going to watch the originals. And of course, this was when I had better vision because I could read the subtitles. But now, because I really do like watching, uh, you know, uh, foreign movies, I really wish that there were more foreign movies subtitled. I mean, mm-hmm. well, not subtitled, audio described, because right now, uh, the fact that I can't watch Parasite last year's Oscar winner for Best Picture because it's not audio described that that's mm-hmm. upsetting for me. Yeah, it, as as it pertains to audio description, what it, what do you feel is happening there? Are we are we headed in the right direction uh, fast, or is it kind of do we, do we need a lot of help there to get much more audio description in movies? I guess we have to look at it as far as like more contemporary movies because so the the films that are getting audio described are more modern they're more new the thing is uh i would like to see more classic movies audio described but i get it though it's like the priority lies with the newer stuff because you know there's an audience there that uh that's probably more interested in those movies but i have seen a few movies that are more uh you know, on the older side, they're audio described. So they're getting there slowly. But uh, as far as quality goes, there's this, I'm, I'm not going to mention any any company names or anything like that, but there are some services that do provide audio description, but the AD is text-to-speech, basically like, you know, like voiceover mm-hmm. narration type. And the thing is, sometimes those things don't pronounce things properly. And it's like, it just has a different feel than when it's a human voice because I mean, for me, if it's a human voice speaking, I just feel more connected to the project, you know, to the film or TV show. I don't feel as, you know, detached from it. I mean, think of it this way. Like when you're listening to an audiobook, and then when you're listening to like the Kindle version being read back with a screen reader, it, it's kind of a different feel isn't it, it is yeah it's uh, all the inflections and things that just don't exist on the on the text-to-speech thing even though Siri's voice has gotten better and more human-like you just you just, the inflection and just the little i don't know it's it's so much less robotic or i should say the text-to-speech is so robotic i guess that it, it does take away from the from the experience yeah right right and i i know that because it's sex to speech, technically it does result in more 
more movies being audio described because yeah, it's it can be done faster. But the thing is, for me, I prefer quality over quantity because yeah, it might take a little longer to get a good audio description track going, but I'd rather be patient and wait for that than having something quickly put together. And then next thing you know, it's not describing things properly or pronouncing names properly, or it just takes me out of the movie or TV mm -hmm. show. So I'd rather, I'd rather, you know, quality over quantity for me. I don't really have a lot of experience listening to audio described uh, shows or movies, but uh, is it like, give me, give me an example of, um, like, let's say you're watching a movie with somebody that's fully sighted and mm -hmm. they don't want the auto description. So you're, I mean, maybe in an Apple environment where you're watching Apple TV, maybe you can put ear, earbuds or earbuds on. I call them earbuds, earbuds or <laughs> air, AirPods. I'm sorry. Yeah. You can put AirPods on and can you route the description to certain speakers or certain, or does it, does everybody get the auto description? You know what? That's something I haven't tried because usually I I watch these things alone. So, but that sure. now now you're making me wonder. It's like I don't think it's possible, but I could be wrong. That's a good question. Um, from what I know, I don't think you can. But uh, if that's possible, then I look like a bit yeah. of a fool. And well, say, I, say that. I I feel like it's not because what I've watched, um, it like it I've I've hit it accidentally mm. or something or one of my kids has turned the fu the function on on the sh on the TV and it's doing it and I'm hearing I'm like hey that's that's cool that describes a lot of things but you know what I'm the only one in the room that wants to know that so everybody else is fighting through it too much information and of course if it wasn't there I'm fighting through not enough information so I don't <laughs> I don't know what the happy medium is there but I I'm glad that it's it's moving I'm glad it's happening for sure yeah and uh as far as like, it's a little uncomfortable going to the movie theater to watch it though, because sometimes the only time I've been very self-conscious of watching a movie with AD because they give you the headset and everything in yeah. the theater is when there's a really, really quiet part and there's like barely any on-screen audio, but then the AD is just speaking out really, really loud. And yeah. I'm like, mm, do I want my, is, is my <laughs> audio bleeding over to the next person? I got to turn down the volume on my ear, yeah. on my headphones. So yeah, that's, yeah. So next thing you know, I'm having to watch the whole movie with basically my my finger on the volume up and down. Just it's tense. Sure. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So you're basically writing the volume, and it's like, hmm, I think I'll just watch this at home next time. Okay. So does does that make you, in addition to the audio description and the person sitting next to you in the in the theater, that that's too loud on? Are you the the and as a film person? an educated film person and a, and a filmmaker, are you the worst person to sit next to in a movie or like the best? I mean, are you criticizing everything and tearing it apart? Or are you, do you hold that to, to yourself or are you just ooing and gooing all over the, the good stuff or maybe none of the above? Uh, I keep it to myself. So usually the first time I just, I just like to watch the movie just like how everybody, everybody else does. Cause I just want to take it in. And then if I do, give it a second watch, uh, I will start, uh, you know, taking it apart here and there. But like I said, because of my vision now, it's a little harder to do that. So I'm able to appreciate the movie in a bit of a different way. But yeah, I mean, sometimes if, you know, I used to do something where like, if I started getting bored with a movie, I was like, oh, this is, this, this isn't uh, getting me interested. So the next thing you know, I'm paying attention to the lighting and it's like, wait, why, why are they lighting like that? Or why, why are they, why is it? I start paying attention to all the little filmmaking details and then I get distracted from that. And I'm like, huh, why did they choose that shot? How, or why did they, why did they, you know, cut to this scene? <laughs> so, yeah. so yeah, if, if I'm bored, I'll start uh, paying attention to the filmmaking aspect of it. Do your, uh, do your friends or family still want to go to the movies with you though? Yeah. I mean, I, I do keep it to myself. I, I do keep that stuff to myself uh although one thing that uh a friend of my brother's <laughs> something that i spoiled for him permanently was telling him about continuity errors basically when there's on-screen mistakes because mm -hmm. i'm like oh well you know how to spot those and then if i point them out then it's like he starts pointing them out as well i'm like oh man okay i, I really i really messed up his, i've his ruined this for him too experience. now yeah <laughs> And your one of your bios says that you like to tell stories visually. 
which I think is a, an interesting statement from a person with uh, low or no vision. So how does a, as a person with low vision tell stories visually? Uh, well, it, if I had a witty response, I would say very carefully, but, uh, <laughs> in the, but, but for a, re- a more realistic response though, um, I mean, it's tricky because film is a very visual medium and yet, uh, you know, my eyes are not so visual and, but because I still create something visual, it has to be, you know, appealing for, for sighted individuals. But that's where I kind of struck a balance, especially after talking about my visual impairment, because it's like, maybe this can provide a new perspective. Maybe I don't have to film stuff as quote unquote pristine quality. I'm not saying, you know, I'm going to be reckless in in filming stuff, but maybe because I have a visual impairment, I can probably bring people more into that perspective because, because I can't see well. So instead of thinking of it as, you know, a weakness, I can probably turn it into an advantage because it'll show a unique perspective. And actually, I recently took part in the Easter Seals uh, Disability Film Challenge. That's a, it's a basically, they give you six days, although I've heard that it's, uh, in the past, it was 48 hours to, to write, edit, and shoot a film. And the thing is, I was part of, uh, one of two teams that had all blind or low vision, uh, cast and crew. And the thing is, we were encouraged to, Hey, I mean, because we can't see, well, let's take that and try to make a new style or just a different style and make it something, you know, like a, like almost like a stylistic statement in a way. Mm-hmm. So I'm kind of taking that and I'm going to see if I can run with that as well. Because even though I have low vision, I'm still very focused on the shot has to look right. The, the lighting has to look right. And it's like, yeah, I'm still going to be focusing on that. But at the same time, though, it might be interesting to shoot something to show people that like hey this is how someone who's legally blind makes a film and you know what it doesn't have to look as pristine as uh you know something on netflix or anything like that so Mm -hmm. maybe i can show someone like hey this is a you know a different style and this is a different style and you know like and i also heard something i forget who said it but they were joking that saying like in, in the jazz world i think if you make a mistake twice, if you make the same mistake twice, people think that you're a genius. So I'm like, okay, well maybe if I can apply that logic, maybe, maybe I can fool some people. Maybe. Yeah, sure. I think you probably could. I think anybody probably could decided or not. (laughs) Yeah. So do you think there are some advantages that, that someone with a visual impairment would have in the film is making films? Like, like you come at things differently. You're, you're, thinking about things not like the the standard you, you don't have the standard perspective i would imagine so there's there's got to be some areas where that that's a good thing uh yeah that's correct uh but i think a big advantage would be just the uh, the equipment itself the starting point because yeah unfortunately uh you know professional cameras or dslr cameras are not as accessible as uh, i hope they would be but the thing is the fact that the iphone itself is extremely accessible that's that's going to be huge especially for you know the more features that they add especially with like the the lidar feature the 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 people detection feature that it has that's pretty amazing right there and yes, just the is. fact yeah just the fact that uh that also works when it's in picture mode it's like you can now shoot in 4K quality on, you know, that's even higher than HD. So you can film in that quality. You can film in 24 frames a second, uh, which is, uh, you know, the standard for for movies. And just the fact that you can do all that on the iPhone and the fact that a lot of that is voiceover compatible, that's pretty amazing. And that kind of makes the... the the entry entry level uh pretty low well not extremely low because i mean iphones you know they are they do cost a a pretty penny still well sure but but they're also i mean a decent dslr camera is going to cost you five thousand bucks isn't it i mean at least two thousand which would be more than an iphone 
Right, right. And the thing is, the optics, the cameras on the iPhone, they're pretty dang good right now. So, I mean, it's it's a pretty good time if you're if you're low vision or even blind to uh, experiment with uh, video making because I mean that's the beauty of it. You can you can play around with the iPhone and you know you you can just experiment so much with it and you know it can be at no risk. You know, you can even have someone who's sighted check your footage if you're if you're worried about that. But still, I mean, the the fact that we can make like visual projects with the devices that we have in our pockets. Yeah, it's pretty yeah. amazing. That's pretty amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. things have uh, come pretty far. And you're you're talking to a guy that does podcast, obviously here. And I would like to take it to video. That's something I want to do. But video adds a whole other element to everything. But uh, I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit concerned with, I don't really want a, a, a big fancy camera and to try to figure out how to use that and all that. So I think maybe what you're saying is that just, just go with your iPhone. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I just, although I would advise to like, make sure that you have enough, uh, memory to, to record, <laughs> to record for that long because, uh, you know, <laughs> with video that uh, that tends to be a a space uh, it tends to hog space yeah. pretty quickly so so yeah, yeah I mean, I, I, I'm, a, I'm also a music collector so I have a ton of music so I, I always buy the, the biggest um, the biggest memory at any given time I have at least 10,000 songs on my iPhone so oh man okay okay so, so I'd probably have to dump some of those but I, I think mine is a 256 or a 512 is the storage I got on mine now yeah, I was gonna say if if you're gonna do that, you might as well get yourself the five twelve storage. And do you use a particular app when you're recording on the iPhone, or do you just use the native? Um, well, I I do use an app called the uh, Filmic Pro. Uh, but the thing is, I for the longest time that wasn't screen reader compatible, so I had to actually, uh, you know, turn VoiceOver off and use it like that. Only recently did they add uh, VoiceOver compatibility. They still got a little bit of a ways to go. Not everything is voiceover compatible, but they got off to a really, really good start. And uh, I actually didn't use the native camera for the longest time because, like I said, the 24 frames a second feature, uh, that's what Filmic Pro was known for, to have that uh, cinematic frame rate. But I thought the iPhone didn't have that because, well, I, I always defaulted to shooting on the, the Filmic Pro app. And only recently did I realize, wait a second, oh crap, it, they actually put it in like with, when the iPhone 11 was around. I just never got around to it because it's like I just always defaulted to, to that app. So I actually had to make a video apologizing for that mistake because I mentioned in my review video of that app that like, oh, the iPhone native camera can't film in cinematic quality even though it could. I'm like, oh, crap. Okay, you got to make a video. It, it was a mistake that bugged me enough to make a video saying that like, hey, I I goofed. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, but you, I think you said earlier you use Final Cut to do your editing. Is that right? Uh, yeah, yeah. Final Cut Pro has been you know, basically my default editing app, editing app for since I can remember. And I've also heard you say that you use maybe the screen curtain or the, the monitor off when you're doing editing too. How does that work? Uh, yeah. So, okay. So if I have to do a basic edit, like if I'm just doing a video where I'm sitting down in front of the camera talking, then it's, it's relatively simple to do. So the way I figured out how to do the editing with screen curtain is basically a lot of trial and error. <laughs> uh, it's a, it was a mix of just the regular voiceover commands mixed in with your standard Final Cut Pro keyboard commands. So it was a lot of just having to go online and do some searching and being like, okay, what does this command do? What does that command do? And I finally started getting the hang of it. And now if I have to do, you know, just a sit down video, I just go to town with the, <laughs> <laughs> with the screen curtain and just with the keyboard commands. I do get stuck sometimes though. It's sometimes a little frustrating, but uh, yeah, I mean, I'm able to do some simple editing without needing a screen. And as far as the YouTube channel, what what kind of videos do you post on YouTube? What 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 would somebody expect to see on your channel? Uh, okay, so for someone who's new, it might feel like 
kind of a mixed bag and like one point they might think like okay this guy's making short films wait now he's talking about tech now he's talking about visual impairment and blindness what gives but i try to kind of revolve everything around storytelling if i can whether that's me telling a story through a film or me telling a story if I'm sitting down in front of the camera recalling, you know, something that happened, you know, last week or earlier in my life. So I try to just revolve things around that. But still, I do like to also talk about my visual impairment journey and try to apply, you know, I, I still try to apply things to the whole um, blindness perspective because that, that is part of my story, too. It's a bit of a mixed bag, but I, I try to keep it within the whole, like, hey, I'm a storyteller, but, you know, I have a few more interests as well. Is that the best place to find your stories to be told, or are there other places that uh, your stuff is hanging out? I, it's all on YouTube, basically. I, I've been, I was thinking of possibly, like, maybe starting a blog every now and then, but I'm like, mm, I don't know. I was also thinking of like, you know, maybe, you know, podcasting, but I was like, mm, I don't know. Am I going to have the time? <laughs> so, so for now, for the time being, my creative outlet is uh, YouTube though. So I know we've been, you've been asking me just a lot of questions and it feels like it's kind of been a one, one way conversation here. But as far as like, let me ask you something regarding accessibility. It's like, since you're low vision, do you feel like there's a ways to go with accessibility when it comes to low vision in comparison to like uh, people who use screen readers? Yeah, that's a good question. And I'm, I'm going through that now in my transition from the PC to the Mac, because I feel like kind of as the, the spectrum between, you know, normal and no vision where we, where we live, it's, you know, it is, it is just as difficult. I feel like even though we with vision would have the advantage of course of using a magnifier or something, but there, I guess the quick answer is yes. <laughs> um, but I think things are getting better. You know, I, I, I have issues with zoom text regularly and there's crashes and things that happen. And I sure wish, you know, like for instance, I wish zoom text didn't use the caps lock key as the main shortcut oh, yeah. key, you know, because half the time, my caps locks on and I'm typing in passwords and, and you got to hit the caps lock twice to disable the caps lock on my computer. And it's, it's a whip, frankly. Um, I think they moved to that a couple years ago, maybe in 17 or 18 to the caps lock key. And I just, I haven't found a good way to get around that. And I've talked to zoom text about it and there's other, other keys you can use, but none of them are any good either. It's they're, they're worse than the caps lock key. So that's something I fight through daily that I just wish I wish I didn't have to fight through, you know. And in the switching over to the Mac side of things, there are some things about the magnifier that I wish were more like Zoom Text, um, but the ease of turning it on and off and doing some other functions is so much better. So um, I don't I don't know if I really answered your question, but as time marches on, accessibility is is on the forefront for a lot of things. I think. And it, it continues to get better and it's, it's moving faster, but we're not there yet. And I don't know if we'll ever be totally there, but you know, I, I do test some equipment as well. Like there, there's a lot of technology that just makes life easier and it makes it easier for everybody, especially for people in, in our position with, with low vision, like a sprinkler system for your front lawn. Mm -hmm. It's really awesome. But if you know how to use a sprinkler system, where, where we are, all the houses have sprinkler systems and are in the, I'm in North Texas and everybody's got a sprinkler system at a house. And there are these archaic boxes that live in your garage <laughs> and they're totally, they're, they're the, they're pieces of crap basically. And there's knobs and things <laughs> that are not labeled. You don't know what you're doing, but then with technology comes in these smart sensors or smart um, detectors. And now I can, I can do it from my phone. I don't really want to do it from my phone. That's not something I, I'm like, yay, I can control my sprinkler from my phone. But, right. be, but because I can, that now means I can use my sprinkler system. So what, what was meant for a thing for everybody, once I worked with this, this group that I worked, it's called Ratio is the name of the brand. And they were really good at working with me on improving their app to add accessibility and tags and things in to make the app work. And I love it. You know, those nice. types of things when you, when you run into technology that's meant for the masses, but helps 
through accessibility helps helps people with with in in our case low vision um that's phenomenal no and and that that's something you brought up something that uh that I wanted to talk about actually that uh technology for the masses it's like nothing against a lot of products that are made specifically for not just the blind but the other you know other uh disabled folks but i think if more accessibility is incorporated into just your standard consumer products there would be you know less of these uh you know niche products for you know for a disabled crowd because the thing is like yeah okay so there's going to be a few things that are that are always going to have to be used like you know a braille display it's like you know that's always going to be something that's 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 pricey but the thing is it would be awesome if more accessibility was put into just the products we use every day because i i've used an example uh to a friend i actually i use this example often saying like okay if smart speakers were only made for the blind and visually impaired they would probably cost 800 to a thousand dollars yes yeah that's right so that's why i think incorporating accessibility into consumer products as much as possible is i think it'd be a much better way to go because you know it's just it's just less of a hassle to because sometimes a lot of these uh these uh specialized products you know for the blind for the disabled sometimes they don't uh you know they're not the most compatible with some of these some no. of these consumer products and, and they're and they're, just... they're clunky and they're and they have a tendency to you know the smart speaker is a good example you just said like that is that that's changed a lot of things for a lot of people all mm-hmm. over the place but in particular people with you know in our in our boat or some other kind of impairment that gosh it just made life so much easier on top of the fact that it made life easier for other people anyway right so yeah right. and and and, and the, the fact that the technology is built in and that they're constantly trying to improve it as opposed to yeah the xyz widget company making a smart speaker for people with low vision the voice would be terrible uh it would be expensive it'd be clunky and people would we'd we'd likely still have it but it wouldn't be very inspiring to use you know wouldn't you wouldn't think man this is so great so one more thing that i want to mention though is that uh going back to my to my youtube videos there is one video that i'm really proud of well i mean there's a few of them that i'm proud of but uh, the one that i'm proudest of though is a collab that i did with quite a few other youtubers like uh, about a i think it was 11 of us total and some of these folks uh you might know of you might have heard of like sam from the blind life carrie from live accessible casey from how casey sees it uh kayla from kayla with a c etc so it was it was a really good video because i wanted to talk about the spectrum of blindness and originally i was going to do that on my own i was just going to discuss it on my own just sit in front of the camera talking about it but then i thought to myself what 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 good is it going to be if it's just one person talking about the spectrum let, let me let me ask a few a few of my uh youtube friends to see if uh if they can uh contribute to the video so they did that and it was it turned out to be such an awesome video and it's it's getting really close to 10,000 views now. So I'm really glad so many people have seen it. And some of the comments that I've gotten, a lot of people said like, oh, this is a great video. And I'm really glad because I really think that's, it was a good representation of just how much, well, blindness is a spectrum. Yeah. It, tell me, I've seen it. Tell me the, tell me the name of, oh, the, of the, the video. Of the, of the video. It, it is blindness is a spectrum actually. Okay. And yeah, I've seen the video and I've, I've had Sam and Carrie on the podcast also. So yeah, I know those guys. Okay. Okay. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's definitely a, a pretty awesome video. I'm surprised that, uh, I was able to, to, to do it because I thought like, oh, no one's going to want to do this, but then no, uh, quite a few folks did want to contribute. So yeah. And who did you have do the narration for it? Actually, nobody did the narration. It was just all of us uh, just uh, talking to the camera, actually. Oh, then I'm thinking of something else. I'm talking about another. That was the the one about the cane. Oh, that was the cane. Okay, yeah, the, a cane's perspective. Actually, that was, an, that was another collab video that yeah, I did. Yeah, that's the one I was thinking of. Okay, that's the one I've seen. 
Okay, Kane's perspective. Actually, who did Sam was in that one too, wasn't he? Sam TV. Yeah, Sam. Sam sent in a few clips. So that video was about the. It was a little short film. It was a kind of cute little short film idea that I was like, okay, if the cane could talk, what would it say? And I just wanted to incorporate clips of a. Uh, uh, different people's canes and yeah and different people using canes and the person who does the the narration for that is uh, an individual named Roy Samuelson and he actually does audio description for quite a few tv shows and movies so he has a lot of credits to his name he's actually a really a really awesome advocate for audio description so uh if you want to if you want to watch any of his movies like I said his name is Roy Samuelson yeah, I need to check out Roy's work. That's good stuff. Okay, so tell me what you're working on now, Juan, and where the best place to find you is for, for people that want to find you. Uh, so I'm working on a few video ideas. Uh, one of them that uh, I've been kind of struggling for the past year. Uh, it's it's a, basically a video where I'm trying to talk about, like, you know, like how would an accessible camera be for the blind and visually impaired? What features would I include in it? But uh, I'm still working on the details for that one. And I'm working on a few other videos, like talking about just how it was to learn Braille. And yeah, I know Braille a little bit. And uh, yeah, so just uh, still trying to see what other short film ideas I have in mind. Uh, where you can reach me, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram. I'm at uh, JC12209. And uh, on Facebook, it's uh, JC5 Productions, just like my YouTube channel, JC5 Productions. Okay, you can also find you, we're, we're linked on most of those social platforms too, so if you follow the podcast, there'll be links to uh, Juan there too. So Juan, thanks for a bunch for uh, joining me, and hopefully you can do this again soon. Yeah, no, thanks for having me. Thanks for spending time with the Ambiguously Blind Podcast. Please rate and write a review wherever you subscribe. And for a complete transcript of this episode, connect and share with us at ambiguouslyblind.com.